0: So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 205. Today, as we read from Second Kings and Second Chronicles, we'll be hearing the accounts of the fall of Jerusalem. God, through Jeremiah and the other prophets, has been warning the people over and over again that they would be taken into exile if they do not turn back to him. And they've ignored him. And now the judgment has finally come. And so we'll read these stories of this today, and we'll also see how that suffering leads people to change in the weeks and the episodes to come. But let's begin today in Second Kings chapter 23, beginning at verse 36. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother was Zebedah, the daughter of Pedaiah from Rumah. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his ancestors had done. During Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked. Jehoiakim was his subject for three years, but then he rebelled against him. The Lord sent against him Babylonian, Syrian, Moabite, and Ammonite raiding bands. He sent them to destroy Judah, just as in the Lord's message that he announced through his servants, the prophets. Just as the Lord had announced, he rejected Judah because of all the sins that Manasseh had committed, because he killed innocent people and stained Jerusalem with their blood. The Lord was unwilling to forgive them. The rest of the events of Jehoiakim's reign and all his accomplishments are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Judah. He passed away, and his son Jehoiakim replaced him as king. The king of Egypt did not march out from his land again, for the king of Babylon conquered all the territory that the king of Egypt had formerly controlled between the stream of Egypt and the Euphrates River. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother was Nehushta, the daughter of Nathan from Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his ancestors had done. At that time, the generals of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon marched to Jerusalem and besieged the city. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to the city while his generals were besieging it. King Jehoiakim of Judah, along with his mother, his servants, his officials, and his eunuchs surrendered to the king of Babylon. The king of Babylon, in the 18th year, in the 18th year of his reign, took Jehoiakim prisoner. Nebuchadnezzar took from there all the riches in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of the royal palace. He removed all the gold items that King Solomon of Israel had made for the Lord's temple, just as the Lord had warned. He deported all the residents of Jerusalem, including all the officials and all the soldiers, 10,000 people in all. This included all the craftsmen and those who worked with metal. No one was left except the poorest among the people of the land. He deported Jehoiakim from Jerusalem to Babylon, along with the king's mother and wives, his eunuchs, and the high-ranking officials in the land. The king of Babylon deported to Babylon all the the soldiers, there were 7,000, as well as 1,000 craftsmen and metal workers. This included all the best warriors. The king of Babylon made Mataniah Jehoiakim's uncle king in Jehoiakim's place, and he renamed him Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he ruled for 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother was Hamatal, the daughter of Jeremiah from Libna. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, as Jehoiakim had done. What follows is a record of what happened to Jerusalem and Judah because of the Lord's anger. He finally threw them out of his presence. Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came against Jerusalem with his whole army and set up camp outside it. They built siege ramps all around it. He arrived on the 10th day of the 10th month in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign. The city remained under siege until Zedekiah's 11th year. By the ninth day of the 4th month, the famine in the city was so severe, the residents had no food. The enemy broke through the city walls, and all the soldiers tried to escape. They left the city during the night. They went through the gate between the two walls, which is near the king's garden. The Babylonians were all around the city. Then they headed for the Rift Valley. But the Babylonian army chased after the king. They caught up with him in the Rift Valley plains of Jericho, and his entire army deserted him. They captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, where he passed sentence on him. Zedekiah's sons were executed while Zedekiah was forced to watch. The king of Babylon then had Zedekiah's eyes put out, bound him in bronze chains, and carried him off to Babylon. On the seventh day of the fifth month in the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, the captain of the royal guard, who served the king of Babylon, arrived in Jerusalem. He burned down the Lord's temple, the royal palace, and all the houses in Jerusalem, including every large house. The whole Babylonian army that came with the captain of the royal guard tore down the walls that surrounded Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the royal guard, deported the rest of the people who were left in the city, those who had deserted to the king of Babylon and the rest of the craftsmen. But he left behind some of the poor of the land and gave them fields and vineyards. The Babylonians broke the two bronze pillars in the Lord's Temple, as well as the movable stands and the big bronze basin called the Sea. They took the bronze to Babylon. They also took the pots, shovels, trimming shears, pans, and all the bronze utensils used by the priests. The captain of the royal guard took the golden and silver censers and basins. The bronze of the items that King Solomon had made for the Lord's Temple, including the two pillars the bronze basin called the Sea, the twelve bronze bulls under the sea, and the movable stands was too heavy to be weighed. Each of the pillars was about twenty seven feet high, the bronze top on one pillar was about four and a half feet high, and the bronze lattice work and the pomegranate shaped ornaments all around it. The second pillar with its lattice work was like it. The captain of the royal guard took Saraiah, the chief priest and Zephaniah, the priest who was second in rank, and the three doorkeepers. From the city he took a eunuch who was in charge of the soldiers, five of the king's advisors who were just who were discovered in the city, an army official secretary who drafted citizens for military service, and 60 citizens from the people of the land who were discovered in the city. Nebuchadnezzar, captain of the royal guard, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. The king of Babylon ordered them to be executed at Riblah in the territory of Hamath, so Judah was deported from its land. Now King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon appointed Gedaliah, son of Achaikim, son of Shepan, as governor over the people whom he allowed to remain in the land of Judah. All the officers of the Judahite army and their troops heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah to govern them. So they came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. The officers who came were Ishmael, son of Nathana, Johananah, son of Kariah, Zariah, the son of Tahu- Tanhumath, the Natufanite, and Jezaniah, the son of Makahathite. And Gedaliah took an oath, as so as to give them and their troops some assurance of safety. He said, "Don't you don't need to be afraid to submit to the king of Babylon, and his officials settle down in the land and submit to the king, but then things will go well with you." But in the seventh month, Ishmael, son of Nathai, Nath, Nathaniah, son of Elishama, who was a member of the royal family, came with ten of his men and murdered Gedaliah, as well as the Judeans and the Babylonians who were with him at Mizpah. Then all the people from the youngest to the oldest, as well as the army officers, left for Egypt because they were afraid of what the Babylonians might do. In the 37th year of the exile of King Jehoiakim of Judah, on the 27th day of the 12th month, King Evil Merodach of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, pardoned King Jehoiakim of Judah and released him from prison. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a more prestigious position than the other kings who were with him in Babylon. Jehoiakim took off his prison clothes and ate daily at the king's presence for the rest of his life. He was given daily provisions by the king for the rest of his life until the day he died. And so there's the story from 2 Kings. And now we'll move to the book of 2 Chronicles and hear uh, a shorter but uh, somewhat similar story. And in hearing this similar story, we'll see again the recurring refrain that the people were receiving this judgment because they refused to listen to God. So 2 Chronicles 36. The people of the land took Jehoaz, son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's place in Jerusalem. Jehoaz was 23 years old when he became king and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. The king of Egypt prevented him from ruling in Jerusalem and imposed on the land a special tax of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. The king of Egypt made Jehoaz's brother Eliakim king over Judah and Jerusalem and changed his name to Jehoiakim. Neko seized his brother Jehoaz and took him to Egypt. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned for 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked him, bound him with bronze chains and carried him away to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar took some of the items of the Lord's temple to Babylon and put them in his palace there. The rest of the events of Jehoiakim's reign, including the horrible sins he committed and his shortcomings, are recorded on the scroll of the kings of Israel and Judah. His son Jehoiakin replaced him as king. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. At the beginning of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered him to be brought to Babylon, along with the valuable items in the Lord's temple. In his place, Nebuchadnezzar made Jehoiakin's relative, Zedekiah, King over Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he ruled for 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, the Lord's spokesman. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him vow allegiance in the name of God. He was stubborn and obstinate and refused to return to the Lord God of Israel. All the leaders of the priests and the people became more unfaithful and committed the same horrible sins practiced by the nations. They defied defiled the Lord's temple, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. The Lord God of their ancestors continually warned them through his messengers, for he felt compassion for his people and his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his warnings, and ridiculed his prophets. Finally, the Lord got very angry at his people, and there was no one who could prevent his judgment. He brought against them the king of the Babylonians, who slaughtered their young men in their temple. He did not spare young men or women, or even the old and aging. God handed over everyone to him. In he carried away to Babylon all the items in God's temple, whether large or small, as well as what was in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and in the treasuries of the king and his officials. They burned down God's temple and tore down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all its fortified buildings and destroyed all its valuable items. He deported to Babylon all who escaped the sword. They served him and his sons until the Persian kingdom rose to power. This all took place to fulfill the Lord's message spoken through Jeremiah and lasted until the land experienced its sabbatical years. All the time of its desolation, the land rested in order to fulfill the 70 years. And in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in fulfillment of the Lord's message spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord motivated King Cyrus of Persia to issue a proclamation throughout his kingdom and also to put it in writing. It read, This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord God of Israel has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build a temple for him in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any one of his people among you may go up there, and may the Lord his God be with him. And so that ends the story from Second Chronicles of the fall of Jerusalem. And we see through that that God pleaded with the people, but they just refused. They did not turn back to him and continued to be resisting his call to repent. And eventually he brought judgment upon them. And now we turn to Psalm 79. It's called the Psalm of Asaph. And it speaks of God bringing judgment, but also the cry of this writer saying, God, how long before you show your mercy to us again? Psalm 79. A Psalm of Asaph. O God, foreigners have invaded your chosen land. They have polluted your holy temple and turned Jerusalem into a heap of ruins. They have given the corpses of your servants to the birds of the sky, the flesh of your loyal followers to the beasts of the earth. They have made their blood flow like water. All around Jerusalem, and there is no one to bury them. We have become an object of disdain to our neighbors. Those who live on our borders taunt and insult us. How long will this go on, O Lord? Will you stay angry forever? How long will your rage burn like fire? Pour out your anger on the nations that do not acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that do not pray to you. For they have devoured Jacob and destroyed his home. Do not hold us accountable for the sins of earlier generations. Quickly send your compassion our way, for we are in serious trouble. Help us, O Lord, our God, our Deliverer. For the sake of your glorious reputation, rescue us. Forgive us our sins for the sake of your reputation. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Before our very eyes, may the shed blood of your servants be avenged among the nations. Listen to the painful cries of the prisoners. Use your great strength to set free those condemned to die. Pay back our neighbors in full. May they be insulted the same way they insulted you, O Lord. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will continually thank you. We will tell coming generations of your praiseworthy acts. The Call for God's Mercy from God's people, for God's people. And now we conclude with First Peter 3, where he has further instructions on how to respond to God's grace and mercy, but also uh, instruction on how to suffer for doing good, even in the midst of painful, difficult times. First Peter 3. In the same way, wives be subject to your own husbands, then, even if some are disobedient to the world, they will be won over without a word by the way you live, when they see your pure and reverent conduct. Let your beauty not be external, the braiding of hair and wearing of gold, jewelry, or fine clothes, but the inner person of the heart, the lasting beauty of a gentle and tranquil spirit, which is precious in God's sight. For in the same way, the holy women who hoped in God long ago adorned themselves by being subject to their husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You become her children when you do what is good and have no fear in doing so. Husbands, in the same way, treat your wives with consideration as the weaker partners and show them honor as fellow heirs of the grace of life. In this way, nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you, be harmonious, sympathetic, affectionate, compassionate, and humble. Do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead bless others because you are called to inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from uttering deceit, and he must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer but the Lord's face is against those who do evil. For who is going to harm you if you are devoted to do what is good? But in fact, if you happen to suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. But do not be terrified of them or be shaken, but set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. Yet do it with courtesy and respect, keeping a good conscience, so that those who slander your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame when they accuse you. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if God wills it, than for doing evil. Because Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, to bring you to God, by being put to death in the flesh, but by being made alive in the Spirit. In it he went and preached to the spirits in prison, after they were disobedient long ago, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah as the ark was being constructed, in the ark, a few, that is eight souls, were delivered through water. And this prefigured baptism, which now saves you, not the washing off of physical dirt, but the pledge of a good conscience to God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who went into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels and authorities and powers subject to him. And we'll leave it there in Second Peter again, recognizing that Peter's call to people is to suffer well, Even for doing good, because Jesus Christ has suffered and paid for their sins, and in light of His grace and in light of the promised resurrection that comes from Him and through Him, we can suffer in a way that allows us to trust God through it all, as painful and as difficult as it is. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.